This is a podcast from China Daily Hong Kong. Thanks for tuning in to an edition of Story Spotlight, where we engage with a CDHK reporter and dive deeper into a recently published story which drew a buzz. I'll be speaking with Jeffrey Gu, a reporter with China Daily Hong Kong, on a story published back in September that he covered. It was on concerns over infection risks in handling the remains of deceased COVID-19 patients. They remained even after health authorities upgraded guidelines on the handling of bodies. Jeffrey Gu, thank you for coming on the podcast to talk with me. Oh, thank you, Adam. Thank you. It regarded an incident of ten members of the dead removal team of the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department, who had to be quarantined after they dealt with remains of coronavirus patients without being notified of risks beforehand. Back in late August, a jarring incident involving a craft which most people do not have any knowledge about, but is obviously a pertinent frontline affair these days around the world. So, just wanted to go over your recent publication article of rules improved, okay. but concerns remain on handling of bodies. And, uh, yeah. This is it's a unique story. And is this something that you are aware of globally, or are there global standard protocols for this sort of unique handling? Oh, I think this is definitely a global issue, especially for those countries and regions which have been recording a huge number of COVID-related deaths mm-hmm. every day. And the WHO and Red Cross's international Com- Committee have respectively issued guidance to their member countries, but I think generally it's very hard to get a one-size-fits-all protocol for those countries. So many right, countries right. and regions have established protocols regarding their own situations. I can just name a, a few of them in the South Asia regions surrounding surrounding us, like India and Pakistan, Bangladesh, the Philippines, and if you look into the Europe. Britain and other continental countries, and also a few countries in, in in Africa. And was there anything special about? Was there big changes that was made to the handling team, the dead removal team, when the pandemic hit? Could you just talk about like the the changes to the team and how if it expanded? What were the new protocols that came in? I think the latest number they gave me is the whole dead removal team in Hong Kong consists of seventy one members, and previously I think the number is seventy two. But in September, they gave me the number of seventy-one,、hmm. and I actually don't have the figures whether the team has、uh, expanded during the pandemic. But the manpower shortage is a lingering and perhaps exacerbating problem, considering the city of Hong Kong is gradually aging. I think the problem mainly arises from the their low salary, relatively、right. speaking, the, the the terrible working environment, as、hmm. everyone can imagine,、hmm. and、uh, people's. Especially local people stereotyping of their work sometimes、uh, is superstitious. I think here I should make clear that only the body of a patient who dies within 24 hours of of hospital admission were transferred by this team to a public mortuary for investigation.、Mm-hmm. So, which means hospitals have their own mortuaries, which where most of people dying of contagious diseases will be handled、mm-hmm. with prop methods.、Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously these these teams, the、uh, FEHD and all, they're used to handling bodies that possibly contain contagious diseases. So what was it specifically about the COVID infections that were and the COVID deaths that caused any it caused these issues and disruptions in the communication or in the protocol? Well, I think the major problem still lies in their communication. At the end of August. Or the early September, there are two cases. There were two cases, each containing five members of the dead removal team. I mean, ten、mm. workers in total. They were be they were they were being quarantined at that time, and I think this 
two consecutive incidents were definitely a major contributor to this change. And previously, they actually have those uh, precautions or protocols in place regarding the handling and the disposal of dead bodies, uh, including those patients dying of contagious diseases. Mm. So uh, the two incidents during over the course, they happened over the course of just 10 days. So the hospital authority changed their communication mechanism, uh, I think, two times over the course of 10 days. Mm. First, the hospital authority said that uh, those removal workers will not will only handle the bodies after their test results are back. Mm. But a week later, they made another amendment saying that those workers will, will still deal with those bodies, but with enhanced precaution measures uh, under the Category 2 guidelines, which stipulates that they have to wear enough personal protective gears facing those potentially infected bodies. Right. Uh, including wear the, the glasses and the gloves and grooves like this. You mentioned in the article that, that you wrote that they wanted to set aside more funds from the anti-pandemic fund to upgrade yeah, yeah, all yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What other major changes were crucial back then and which of them have been, have been implemented? Other changes? I think the health authorities had provided a few uh, training sessions for those workers uh, regarding how to handle, how to handle those uh, maybe highly contagious bodies, mm-hmm. and they. I think the suggestion you've just mentioned about uh, set, setting aside a trench of funds in the anti the government's anti pandemic fund to those mm-hmm. workers uh, was first proposed by a local lawmaker, and mm-hmm. I don't know whether this suggestion has been under vetting by the leg- logical members, mm-hmm. but I think it's it is very uh, crucial to to really improve their working conditions preventing them from those uh, highly risks, highly risks tasks. Right. And so, and as you mentioned before, like the cases and the incidents happened over a stretch of about 10 days. So um, has the situation since that, when that happened, which was about three months ago, has it improved or has there been any recurrent incidents since then? I think after that, there are patients who did not die at public hospitals. There are no such incidents. I mean, the removal workers had to be quarantined uh, during the miscommunication, no such incidents have been reported since then. But but also at the same time, I think that could be attributed to the peacefulness, relative peacefulness after the sweeping third wave. But actually, mm-hmm. as we know, we are in the midst of another wave, fourth wave, and right. it shows no signs of abating so far. A lot of public health experts also warned that more deaths could come in the following weeks, right. and more younger patients were found in critical condition this time, which is very worrying. So I think all of us should remain very vigilant. Right, right. And you mentioned um, death at hospitals, like uh, that FEHD member who you spoke with said that a concern was not all the deaths from COVID happened at the hospitals. Sure, can, you, can, sure. you exp- can you explain that a little bit? And um, if like, how would that affect exactly their handling uh, concern? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so far, I think Hong Kong has a total of um, 117 patients dying of the COVID-19. So far, only three of these deaths were not recorded in the city's public hospitals. Because now we are, we have, a relatively small number because we have we are now 11 months into the pandemic but there is a very recent case i think it's, it happened just a few days ago 87 year old man 
died at home the early December. I think it's December the second,、right. and、uh, was sent to a public mortuary. His family members later developed coughs and other onsets of this diseases, and later tested positive for the coronavirus. House authorities then do the, did the contact tracing. They contact the mortuary. And and got the deceased man's samples tested, and the results came back positive. I think for cases like this, it is impossible to to inform the body removal team of the potential risks in advance.、Right. So what they can do, what the health authority do, is always be vigilant and wearing enough personal protective equipment. And after that, they should arrange coronavirus testing as soon as possible for them, and possibly to quarantine them. And during the quarantine, you can provide subsidies for them. Um. Well, it's it's such a unique story, and you know, since you covered and reported it, I just wondered if there was any surprise or interesting takeaways that you thought personally, and either what you were expecting, or was there something that you expected from the story, but but it was something totally different. Um. I think their story, uh, and their hardships were largely neglected by the major part of our society, and also underreported by the media outlets. But during my talk with a member of them, which is the interviewee in my story, I. Found her. She's quite easygoing and optimistic about the the work and their future. I can feel that she really values what she has been doing for the city. That's what really surprised me. Okay, great, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. That's all for this segment, guys. Until next time, stay healthy.